This morning we're continuing our our series for the season of Lent on covenants, and just a quick recap, covenant is more than just a churchy word for promise. It's the very means or mechanism through which God forms and strengthens and sustains relationships with us throughout the story of scripture. And that God does this even and perhaps especially when we mess it all up. Today we come to um, the a very pivotal covenant text in our Bible, the Ten Commandments. Now, ever since the Bible was written in English, since like about 400 years or so now, uh, that's when we really started calling them the Ten Commandments. Our Jewish brothers and sisters have a a little more of an instructive understanding of these words. They understand them more like the ten teachings or the ten instructions. Another way of thinking about it is the Greek word for this text called simply the Decalogue or the ten words or ten teachings. Perhaps this might help us hear these familiar words with fresh ears. I invite you to listen with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the 20th chapter of Exodus, beginning with the first verse. Then God spoke all of these words. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You must have no other gods before me. Do not make an idol for yourself, no form whatsoever, of anything in the sky above or on the earth below or in the waters under the earth. Do not bow down to them or worship them, because I, the Lord your God, am a passionate God. I punish children for their parents' sins, even to the third or fourth generations of those who hate me. But I am loyal and gracious to the thousandth generation of those who love and keep my commandments. Do not use the Lord your God's name as if it were of no significance. The Lord won't forgive anyone who uses his name that way. Remember the Sabbath day and treat it as holy. Six days you may work and do all of your tasks. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Do not do any work on it, not you, your sons or daughters, your male or female servants, your animals or the immigrant who is living with you. Because the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything that is in them in six days, but rested on the seventh. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother so that your life will be long on the fertile land the Lord your God is giving you. Do not kill. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not testify falsely against your neighbor. Do not desire and try to take your neighbor's house. Do not desire and try to take your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox, donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Some 20 years ago or so, when I was just a religious studies major in college, I came across a book that has proved to be 
pivotal, foundational for, for me and my passion for um, teaching and preaching the Bible. It's a book by a man named Stephen Prothero called Religious Literacy. Where I mean, it's 20 years old now, so it's a little dated. But he talks very passionately about the problems in society and culture and boiling them down to uh, just our, our, as a culture, our inability to understand various religions, even our own. He goes in depth about just the, the extent of biblical illiteracy in our own nation. For example, a majority, these are 20-year-old stats, but I imagine, if anything, they've gotten worse, a majority of Americans cannot name the first book of the Bible. A majority of Americans can't name one of the four Gospels. And here's my favorite biblical illiteracy statistic. 10% of Americans believe Joan of Arc was Noah's wife. There's some statistics with our text, the Ten Commandments, as well. Americans are more likely to know the ingredients in a Big Mac or the members of the Brady Bunch than they are to know the actual Ten Commandments. It's no wonder we struggle with these teachings, with these writings, with these commandments in our broken and divided world. Our association with these commandments might be more uh, to the tune of the Charlton Heston film from so long ago, or perhaps the courtroom battles of, of having them present in courtrooms or in schools. Preacher and scholar Barbara Brown Taylor says that as a society, we're better at defending the commandments than we are at practicing them. These commandments are given in context, of course. God, in our very first verse of our text today, alludes to this. God delivers the people of Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of control and, and occupation by Pharaoh. And God leads Israel by the guidance or by the leadership of Moses out from Egypt and into the wilderness where they'll journey for 40 years on their way to the promised land. The Ten Commandments are given pretty early in this wilderness journey. And you think about it this way, God is trying desperately to renew and restore this broken relationship with Israel. And Israel will need to find a way to love and trust this God again, to walk hand in hand with this God again. And so God summons Moses to the top of Mount Sinai and gives Moses these ten writings, these ten instructions, these ten commandments to help guide their life together with God and each other. The first three of these commandments have to do with one's right relationship with God. Don't have any other gods besides the Lord your God, Yahweh, the very personal God of Israel. Don't make any idols or graven images of this God. Don't try to recreate another God, essentially. Don't use this God, the, the name of God in vain. Don't use it inappropriately. So the first three have to do with one's relationship with God. The next 
commandment, the fourth commandment on Sabbath, shows an interesting pivot. The first part of it is about one's relationship with God. We rest, we practice Sabbath, because God rested. God created everything in six days, and on the seventh day rested. So we too rest to remember that and to remember God. But then we see the movement from one's relationship to God to one's relationship with one another. So not only do you rest, but you're also commanded to ensure that everyone in your household rests. Everyone uh, under your your umbrella of responsibility, ensure that they too can rest. The remaining commandments 5 through 10 continue on this theme of one's relationship within the community, one's relationship with others, with one another. Honor your parents. Do not kill, cheat, lie, steal, covet, or want anything that your neighbor has. These are the things that um, have to do with our relationship with one another. Now, spoiler alert, but if you keep reading on in Exodus, you don't have to go very far. Israel will fail on all of these. They'll fall short on all of these commandments. But God doesn't give up on them. It's very important to remember that God uses covenant language when talking with us, not contractual language. Thanks be to God. Contracts can be breached and nullified once one party doesn't hold up their end of the bargain. But a covenant, though it can be broken, can never be nullified. It can never be made null and void. God continues using these ten teachings to try to desperately to help the people of Israel and all the way to us today live closer in relationship with God and with one another. These words are covenantal, not contractual. Friends, if you remember uh, the very first week of this series, I talked about how it's important for us to read and, and understand all these covenants through a particular lens as Christians, through the lens of Christ. When we read these words through the lens of Christ, we remember how Jesus himself sums up the law, sums up the commandments and the, the totality of the law. To love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love your neighbor as yourself. See that connection, relationship with God, relationship with one another. Through the lens of Christ, we see these commandments, we see these teachings and instructions as God's way of reaching out to us in relationship, of God's way of showing us how to live closer in fellowship and closer in relationship with God and each other. When we follow these commandments, we are closer to God. When we follow these commandments, we're closer to one another. On the other side, when we stray from these commandments, we're separated from God. When we stray from these commandments, we're separated from one another. Here are the commandments again through this lens. 
We separate ourselves from God when we put our hope and trust in things, people, gods other than the God we know in Christ. We separate ourselves from God when we refuse to rest because when we refuse to rest, we forget who God is. When we refuse to let those under our umbrella of of responsibility, when we refuse to let others rest, we stop seeing one another as children of God, as siblings in Christ. Instead, we see one another as commodities. We see one another simply in terms of what one can do for me. When we harm one another, when we cheat, lie, steal, covet, when we do these things, we are separated from one another. We're distanced from one another. Our communities break down, sometimes irreparably, when these things happen. Friends, these commandments are God's way of trying desperately to bring us closer to God and closer to one another. Love God with everything you've got. In turn, do everything in your power, everything in your ability to affirm, strengthen, and sustain the lives of those around you. It's all that easy, and it's all that difficult. Like Israel, we'll all fall short. We'll continue to stumble, but we trust that the God we know in Christ never gives up on us and continues to reach out to us in love and relationship, giving us these teachings to draw closer to God and one another. Friends, perhaps the place where these these two relationships, our relationship with God and our relationship with one another, come together best is whenever we gather at this table. Because friends, whenever we gather at this table, we trust that God gathers us, all of us, all of God's children here to this place. And when we're here together, we trust that we are met and we are fed by our risen Lord. And as we're met and fed by our risen Lord, we trust that we are strengthened and nourished at this table by this meal with Christ's very life and love. That we might go out trying to live into these commandments, live into these teachings fully, that we might draw closer and closer with God and closer and closer with one another. Friends, in a broken, divided, and fearful world, May we strive, may we work to love God with everything we've got, to love our neighbor as ourselves, doing everything in our power to to affirm, strengthen, and sustain the lives of those around us, that we might come just a little closer together in relationship and love and more closely resemble the body of Christ. Amen.